well having a great week wherever you are listening whether that's on the podcast catching up on youtube i hope you thoroughly enjoy the guests we have on our show today so our guest today is a british-born sikh who has built up a smb empire so for those of you who don't know it's a small business empire through sort of seven generations of business success which is phenomenal our guest is an international speaker. He was and is a judge on Forbes 30 Under 30 and has actually been on the TED stage, so I can't wait to pick his brains about that. This guest, of course, has mounts of success, but today I want to find out more about his journey, his mentors, and of course, what it's like to be a mentor now and this whole idea of kind of helping other people with the knowledge that he already has. So I give a warm welcome to Suki. How are you, Suki? Oh, wow. What a lovely introduction there. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Polly. And uh, thank you to the viewers. Uh, thanks for having me on, on this show. Thank you. Yeah, no, of course. Thank you so much for coming on. So I always like to start off with uh, my guests because I don't, I've never met Suki. Um, we briefly spoke before this podcast, but I would love for you, Suki, to tell everyone about where did it all begin? How did your career start? Wow. Okay, so um, I would say... I'm going to, um, if I may, I can allocate the time to my business career because right. in irony, I've not I've never actually worked for anybody. So couldn't actually say how it was to work for anybody else at all. So I do apologize on that base. Um, but on, when we're talking about the family and, and, and the business, and you mentioned the seven generations, I, I'm going to suggest that it starts way back to what, what I did my very first business, if I could share. I think I was around about eight years old, would you believe? And that's the honest truth, eight years old. Um, it was in junior school, eight, nine years old, that sort of time frame. When we used to collect some years ago, we used to collect these football stickers. Yeah. So they were like Umbro, Umbro football stickers. And uh, what we did was I ended up accumulating a little bit more than most probably due to the fact that I spent a little bit more money on the cards themselves. Um, and I can remember, I think there were, there used to be about like five or six cards for something like 20 pence. Yeah. And those days, 20 pence was pretty expensive. Yeah. Most of my, my, my sort of friends that we used to, they used to have a different budget and you would buy these cards and it'd be like what we call potluck, wouldn't it? You know, whatever card you got, whether you got a, a, a player that you really needed or wanted, because you'd stick them into a book. Um, and the book itself would be, you know, once it's complete, it'd be like, yes, I've done it. Here's my complete book kind of thing. So accident was kind of what we call it an accidental business. I, um, I used to have what we used to call swaps or doubles or trebles even, you know, two or three people. So for example, in my day in the eighties, it would have been, uh, Ian Rush, um, you know, that sort of Kelly Dahl, Kenny Dalglish era. And what we did is I used to have two or three of extras of all the heavy hitters and all the, all the people that were rare to get hold of. So my friends used to turn around and by, by mistake, they used to do what we call swaps with me. So they swap over uh, you know, one of the, the cards they wanted for maybe two, or if not three, of the ones that they didn't need anymore. Does that make sense? Because they already had them in the book. So this actually ended up being accidental because I ended up um, you know, getting a, a bigger accumulation of cards because somebody wanted one particular character and I, and I 
I said, I'll have three for that then, thank you. So I ended up like this one for three, that kind of scenario, I ended up with more than most. Um, and then what happened is I completed my book, finished, completed my book first. I realized that I, for 20 pence, you could take five or six cards and you may or may not get a, what we call a shiny badge, you know, the badge is the actual uh, football badge itself. And so what we did basically, just to be clear, is I used to ask for more money or more cards for the badges because they were rarer. <laughs> and uh, it, it kind of started there and it got to a stage where I said, okay, you can pick your uh, two cards, uh, or two cards meaning one badge and one football player or three football players, but I want the same 20 pence. Yeah. So in essence, I was, I was kind of trying to charge you for the opportunity to select the cards they wanted which then accelerated their journey. And it, it just happened accidentally. And so the story short, if I may speed up a little bit, I ended up uh, not only selling cards, accumulating money from that, but also my actual, it accidentally happened again, where one of my, car, one of my books, I actually turned around and said, somebody said, can, can I buy your book from you? Because it's, it's complete. <laughs> uh, and I said, uh, yeah, why not? But I'll, I'll have an exchange of your one that's not complete. Does that make sense? So I'd take maybe two or three pounds off them and maybe even five pounds. I can't remember in those days, but and swap the books over as well. So they'd have a complete book. They can go around uh, flaunting that they'd completed the book. And uh, I'd have another book that I could use all my extra surplus stickers and stick in again. And I'd have another spare. So it started like this. And the funny part of it is, is that I used to come home with maybe a pound, two pounds when before... I used to take a pound from my mum yeah. and mom, I said, can I have a pound and buy some cards? And it got to a stage where I stopped asking for the money. And it, on top of that, I was bringing money home. And mum sort of said to me, said, you know, in, in her own disciplinary way, because mum was not really a very aggressive character, isn't a very aggressive character. Mum said, are you bullying people? <laughs> yeah. Are you taking their money? And I went, yeah, I, I, I kind of went, no, mum, I'm not that tough person. I didn't do that, definitely. And I said, uh, no, I'm selling cards. And then I explained the whole scenario. Well, I said, Shabash, which basically means, well done, carry on then. <laughs> and so, uh, mom, you know, I, in Bank of Mum, should we call it, you know, we came home and I used to give the money to my mum and, uh, and that was that. So that was kind of my very first story. Um, if we go and accelerate forward, sorry, accelerate forward into uh, what we call um, maybe commercial business kind of thing. When I was about 16 years old, my mum had a lovely conversation with me and said something really, really beautiful to me and said, it's kind of time for you to take maybe a bit more of a charge with the family, uh, family business and stuff of that sort of nature. Um, so what happened is, is that uh, I ended up um, deciding with my mum's ability, with my mum's uh, amazing influence power to sort of step up and take charge of one of the businesses that was uh, within the family. It was actually the very first business my father started in the UK in 1967 with my mum in a retail shop. So I decided to start taking that particular part of the business on and also carry on studying. So I went and did my A-levels in college instead of actually in school. And then I continued, there we are. So I, the first business I actually officially ran was a hardware store, which kind of sold everything. And from there, a few businesses broke down. Wow, amazing. And I mean, there's two questions from that uh, story. So what team is it that you support, Suki? That is a big question. <laughs> Oh, right. Are we now talking about football, are we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let me tell you, I'm actually the accidental guy. Um, I really do not. Um, I'm not at all interested in football, but it was one of the things that was just kind of like the gang thing to do. It was like, cool. Um, if I was, I, I'd probably be honest with you. I'd probably be patriotic and say Peterborough posh. So 
Pavlovian, but I really couldn't say that. I, I don't think I could do the respect of saying that I am uh, a fan. I'm not. <laughs> they say most businesses are, are built from something you enjoy, but maybe back then you enjoyed the football, but not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it was a childlike thing. It was kind of fun. Um, I've actually got something really lovely to say about that, if you'd like uh, no, go to share a few um, thoughts. We're talking about... Um, I regularly hear, you know, people turning their passions into profits or passions into a business they can follow. Yeah. Um, I'm, I might accidentally probably burst that bubble a little bit <laughs> because um, I don't believe that's true. Um, I believe from my family heritage and how we've been brought up and, and shared knowledge, for example, as a family. If I can just share, I, I stand aside from that comment because I think it's... Uh, I think it places the next generation wrongly because what happens is there we're saying that whatever your passion is, so for example, it could be a hobby, it could be something you're really excited about, yeah. turn that into a business. Well, it kind of does work, but what happens there is that sometimes the business, sorry, the passion or the hobby no longer is a hobby because you're having to earn money from it. Yes, yeah. Which means the flow changes, it becomes much more strategic instead of being. Um, in flow, you know, like, hey, you know, I, I really enjoy fishing. But if all of a sudden fishing becomes your uh, livelihood, it becomes your livelihood, you know, it becomes very serious. Um, so I'm really, really strong. My father, when I was younger, and my mother, very, very influential in my family. And we'll talk about mentors later, I'm sure. But um, they, he told me, my father told me very, very clearly, he said, son, don't get, pa don't turn passions into business, become passionate about business. Yeah. That means do whatever you've got to do to make a business successful. Does that make sense? Yeah. Obviously, ethically, I'm not suggesting anything else. <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is that get passionate about your business. Yeah. Get passionate about earning money. Get passionate about being successful um, by trying hard and by committing that kind of passion. You know, mm -hmm. get passionate about that, not necessarily the passion about what color a wall should be or shouldn't be. Um, that's just my, my personal view. And it's not stood me too badly in my life with God's blessings. No, definitely. I think what, what I couldn't agree with you more there, that I think there is a driver that people have particular enjoyments of in their life and then they turn it into a business and suddenly, okay, I need to put food on the table. My hobby is no longer mm. a hobby. So, yeah, it's, it's a good point to make. So for yourself, Suki, um, when was the sort of turning point that you thought, actually, with all this knowledge that I have, I want to start helping people. I want to start being a mentor. I use that term mentor loosely because I know there's kind of loads of different ideas kind of attached with being a mentor. Yeah. Well, this, that's a really deep question, actually. Um, if I could answer it in a a bit of a unique way than what I've usually usually answered it because I feel that you're the flow of the people who uh, are listening today are you know they they, they, they want a different level of um, knowledge so if, if I could share that I think a person has the nature to share with other people or they don't does that make sense so I'm a deep believer of psychometrics and I'll probably touch that a bit later with um, the, the psychology of a human person the, the profiles and the parameters that they have in their brain anyway um, but here's my point. The point is when I've always been that giving type of person, even when I was in growth mode, uh, business mode, whatever you'd like to say, I'm always the type of guy who, you know, had, a, you know, I'm a car fanatic, so I've had many, many vehicles in my, in my years. And one of, you know, what I can remember specifically, uh, anybody who would ever ask me what's that car like or what's not like, I'd throw them the car keys and say, hey, drive. Does that make sense? I've never been the person who's like, hey, that's mine, don't touch it kind of thing. Um, and even to the stage where how a car should be or shouldn't be driven if it's not yours. I said, well, it's designed for something. Uh, you want to enjoy it, don't you? So go and 
correct on take their drive. Even to the stage where I rarely accompany people when I gave them my keys to go and drive. Um, so my question here really sits that being what changed in my, my personality. I think, I think a certain level of wanting to give and wanting to help others probably took what we call a, a higher gear um, in 2006 after I fell I had a, a near-death experience with uh, hepatitis A, which wow. is uh, a liver virus. Um, around mid-2006, mid, mid, mid that's when it sort of changed. When I went to the hospital, I spent two months in the hospital. I'm very, very um, thankful, actually, that it happened to me because it changed my, my focus of life and became, life became even more fulfilling. Yeah. Um, so I had a near-death experience. I was away from a group of companies for over a year. You know, I had an amazing... Um, good fortune to have structured, you know, businesses where I, my brother, my nephews, uh, my sister, and everybody—they all, they were all a part of the business and businesses at the time. So the effect was minimal. But my point was that I personally had changed. So I came back out realizing that I had been you know, two hours away from not being alive. I've shared this in my talk actually, um, so I won't repeat it. So I'm sure if you'd like, please put the link down on my website. If you can't go to the tech talk so they can hear the whole story. Um, and, and the reality was that it's kind of life dawned on me and realized that, you know, there's a, there's a Sikh saying, um, and it's saying you're going to leave everything here. And it's across moralities, you know, across all faiths, it says the same. You're going to leave everything here. But when you listen, when you feel that without the heightened understanding of what it truly means, uh, it, it sounds and it feels very somber. Does that make sense? It feels yeah. as though somebody says, you're going to leave everything here, don't try. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So it, it doesn't actually mean that. To me, it meant something very deep. It said, you're going to leave everything here. So there's a bigger, deeper question. And that is, if you're going to leave it all here, what are you going to leave here? Yeah. It's the legacy conversation, isn't it? Yeah. So when you're driven by something like that, that's what happened to me in 2008, uh, 2008, 2009. And I literally just changed the way I wanted to help other people and since 2009-2010 I've we've built up a you know four or five companies in the arena of helping people through self-development uh, mindset understanding and I've had the great fortune of being involved in many many global projects across the, across the planet really humbly and uh, on top of that I'm currently working on my own methodology which is called the Synergus method which combines three key elements of the world which are psychology, um, you could say business, I suppose, you could say business and psychology, and then also spirituality, which I believe is an integral, integral part of all human beings as a whole. So mentoring and what changed my life, I realized how fragile life truly is, Yeah. Um, how important it truly is to help other people. Um, and also, on a selfish level, I got, I, got, I got a feeling as though I wanted to do what I loved to do. Does that make sense? Yes. Definitely. And I didn't necessarily want a money, money orientation around it. So there we are. We changed it. So since 2008, 2009 is when it happened. It was through an illness, uh, what's called a near-death experience. Wow. <laughs> um, I wasn't expecting that answer. But yeah, well, that's, that's really insightful, Suki. I mean, do you, so you're working on kind of a few, I suppose, businesses which are helping, are in the business of helping people. Which one do you find, um, I know this might be a bit biased, but finding is the most exciting at the moment, maybe for, for what's going to happen in 2018? Um, are there sort of exciting projects linked to that one, which is about helping people? 
oh, I knew the interview was going to be a tough one, but that's really tough. Okay, <laughs> great question. So I'm going to help a little bit further here. So remember I said to you that always get passionate about the project itself, you know, not necessarily the details of the business, get passionate about business itself. Yeah. Okay, so in that context, I've also been brought up very, very humbly. I'm um, telling you, in school to seven generations, that's kind of different, uh, I think. Um, at one stage, I thought everybody had the same schooling, and that's what really changed in my world when I realized it wasn't true. You know, it was not the truth. Everybody should have an equal chance, but the knowledge has been distributed in certain ways. So one of the key things that I was kind of, I suppose you could say, love to tell people is to always look for the passion in everything you do. Does that make sense? So. Yeah. In my world, whichever business I'm involved with, I am truly excited and passionate about every one of them. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. Right. I'd, be, I'd be really, I'd kind of be bored. So I'd be saying to yourself the same thing. If anybody here is thinking about what to do, what not to do, get very clear on who you are as a person and get very clear about what your natural state of psychometric state is. Whether you're a dominant individual, whether you're a person who... Um, is well, a dominant individual, somebody who's very direct to the point, not very disciplined in sense of details wise, mm. but very self disciplined. I want to do this, and they use a lot of words of I, me, this is my vision, this is where I want to go, this is how I helped you, and that kind of stuff. Um, they're not bad people at all, none of them are, but here's my point it's just basically it means that they are tend to be self um, focused about their own agenda. The downside is, is that, they, that they don't necessarily always become the most caring or the the most aware of how they're helping or not helping other people does that make sense Definitely. so they tend to be self-orientated and you've got the i energy and the i energy is the influencer energy um, and the influencer energy is somebody who is really a very vibrant person very loving very uh, jovial um lively you know fun exciting loves starting new projects and in some cases tends not to ever finish the projects but they do start them uh, they have the intention to do so um they, they they like to plate spin they love multitasking which once again in my ted talk i, I i've given a really strong sharing of yeah. um and then and then they go on the great starters but they just they get bored very quickly so they move on to another project they love the words adventure fun uh, they're very excitable and really they are the light of the life you know they're, they're the great party goers very exciting individuals to be around so that's the influence energy. <laughs> are you giggling because you might be thinking yeah something? i'm thinking um, oh my god is that me <laughs> <laughs> i wonder why i'm sharing it though uh so we've got the d and the i the dominant and the influencers and both these two energies um, are very similar but they're not the same because one is task orientated for themselves and one will just do for anything for anybody mm. um, but they are both what we call extroverted energies which means that if they have a time of lapse of energy or, or inflation that they, they go to the community or the more people uh, other people to share their energy and move upwards yeah so they don't tend to be they don't sit on their own when they're tired no you know, like, when, yeah, they tend to be, they'd rather, if you said, I'm really tired, but oh, let's go out, okay, let's get out. Come yeah. on, let's, let's go and do it. So they're very, very vibrant in that context. Then you have the um, other half of the sphere, which is the stability, which is the S. So D-I and then S is stability. And this particular nature of stability is somebody who is uh, very overtly loving. You know, they're not hidden. They don't hide the agenda of loving. People, they care a lot. 
Um, it's kind of the stereotype mum. Does that make sense? But not, yeah. not the case. I said stereotype. It could be anybody. Yeah. Um, very caring, very mothering, very looking after. Spend a lot of time and love and attention to ensure that they support well. That's one of the primaries in their life. This does not mean that they're weak individuals at all. In fact, probably the strongest of all four energies mm -hmm. because they, nobody can do it without them. You know, they're great collaborators. They love to keep the, 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 the wheel oiled. They really are very hard to have an argument with. Does that make sense? In fact, you try to have an argument with that person, you tend to um, stop. Uh, meet yourself because you think, oh, you know, this person's just too nice or something, yeah. yeah. And then, but but they're they're they're, you know, they're very very important in life as well for keeping the team together. Without that type of energy, you won't have a team. You'll have a faction or a fragmented organisation. Then we have the final, which is the C, which is compliance. That's D I S and then T for compliance. D. Um, and the compliance individual is somebody who loves strategy, mm -hmm. logic, statistics algorithm, uh, analyzing things, um, planning, and structure. So that's just some of the things they like. And they also love what's called details. But they're not just detailed, they're super detailed. These people are the ones who are, who are the, you know, the accountability people, the people who, who look at legal assessments and stuff and that kind of thing. So they're the arbitrators or not arbitrators, sorry, uh, uh, auditors, I do apologize. Yeah. yeah. So, just to give you some indication then that the S and the C are the last latter two are the invert introverted energies, yeah. which basically means they spend a lot of the time on this uh, by themselves. So the question to answer, sorry to give you a long ended story there. Um, the question is, you know, which one of them is my best, uh, which is which is the one I get the most fun out of, but I want it to be much more educational for everybody on this call. So whichever you feel it's you, accept that. Mm. And, and understand that that's how I like to see the world. The more important is then you surround yourself with the other four energies. Yeah, so if you're a person who feels you're a D, yeah, that's right. If you're a D, then surround yourself with somebody who's an I, which is a great salesperson, um, you know, kind of what we call viral uh, marketeer. Mm -hmm. find, yourself with, find yourself an S energy to keep the team together and to make sure it's all coordinated and working properly. And then also get you to sort of C to make sure that you're accountable, that the planning and strategies in place as well and the d tends to be what we call the dominant energy who tends to be the managing director driver yeah. so there you, you whichever you are find the others is what i'm trying to say to create what i call in my synergous methodology the power team so just to formalize a little bit of question to answer the specific question which one of my companies was actually endearing to me and more excited there's it depends truly on who i am as a person this is a philosophical answer who i am as a person and who I um, realize that what I can deliver to the company, and it's usually what we call the same jigsaw piece that I can add into all my companies. So I'm not bored, and so I'm always keeping my consistency in life as well. Yeah. So yeah. I'm hoping that sort of kind of half answers the question. It definitely does. I mean, um, but it if was I gave... trick questions, I knew you weren't going to answer and say, "Yeah, it was this, it's this company." <laughs> not joking. There wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but if I was to select one, I would say one of the ones that's doing amazingly well through traction globally is the Business Boardroom, which is a, a, a company that truly is redefining business support. And what we do is we have a mastermind process on a monthly basis. It, it supports individuals. I personally get involved with the clients as well um, on a monthly basis. We help them through coaching mentoring statistical help you know planning strategy the whole lot and also connections and 
So it's just like an incubation uh, for each individual company. So that's, that's probably one of my favorite ones, which just seems to be uh, excelling across the globe. Nice. That's, that's really useful. I mean, just to kind of to clarify that when, so the startup that I was telling you about previously, just off the call, Suki, so uh, to anyone listening, I work for a startup which is all about helping helping businesses grow and it's all about connecting them with that right mentor, advisor, etc. There was a government study done a couple of years ago, which it's very to the point, but it, that the businesses that go out and get advice and seek a mentor grow faster than those that don't. And it's really simple, but with the statistics behind it, it's a lot more powerful. Um, and the government are saying now more than ever that small businesses and scale-ups, especially in the UK, now need to lean on advisors and mentors to help them grow their business because there's there's thousands, millions sorry, of small businesses out there. And I think there's there's plenty of data out there to predict how your journey can go as well. And you've got to reach out to those right people so that you don't fall on the first hurdle to make sure that we can keep up with other countries as well when it comes to leading in tech, leading in health tech and, and industries like that, definitely. So I couldn't agree more with you. <laughs> if I could add something to that last point you just said with reference to um, you know mentors and coaches in specific, I've been brought up with a philosophy that a person isn't, you, you don't achieve things on your own. There's no such thing as a self millionaire or a self-made business person it's about actually a team and collaboration always my father from seven generations of understanding of beautiful uh, success strategies that come through our family as a whole you know from early 1700s has come back and said that even if you have one other person who what we classify as sometimes what a yes man in the world you know yes person it just means that that person can be there just for a bounce back because you can't kind of clap with one hand you have to have two hands to make some kind of a noise mm -hmm. and so it means that even if you're sharing the basic things with, with the other person and sharing and, and just saying I think we should do it this way today or this way tomorrow just by having that person give the answer there and then which is the little key to the metal because if the metal is hot it's only then that you can create the shape and the change the shape um, there's no point after it's gone cold so it's like just being able to have a uh, uh, somebody who's like a partner in some form with you. Now, a lot of people would misinterpret. That's the lowest level of additional coach or a mentor or a consultant really truly give. But is uh, a mentor is like having what we call a parent for your life, but in business, in the sense of when you need the information there and then, the mentor will just come out and give you the information that you require, um, which will save you years, if not thousands and thousands of pounds in some cases. Um, so. That, that's the kind of flow that I, I truly believe and understand that anything that I am today, if it's valued at success, because I've got no arrogance in that comment, mm. um, I owe to my parents, you know, both my parents and, and, and above them, I owe it to the divine entity, energy, universe, whatever one believes. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great comment to make and, and that whole idea around collaboration as well. And, and I, I suppose you're touching on the mental side as well, that you do need those people that kind of guide you, um, guide you through a path that you can still make your own mistakes, but you need to have stuff behind you before you, you go and make that step. So reaching out to a mentor before you do a deal with someone, is that the right person that I should be doing business with, etc. Like you, you need someone with experience and it doesn't have to be someone who's 20 or 30 years older. I mean, I've had a few individuals who've come on our podcast and said, even having someone who's just a year older than you, they're, they have a year more knowledge than, than what you do. So leverage that, pull as much information from yeah. them as possible.
Do you know, if I can share, um, just to enhance what you just said there, if I may, uh, Polly, that what you really need is somebody who's just one step ahead of you. Yeah. That's it. That's all you're looking for, because you're looking for one person who's just done the step that you've just done. So, Suki, any exciting projects for 2018? Um, I know that you uh, were a judge on Forbes 30 Under 30. Is that something that you'll be doing this year as well? Well, yeah, thank you so much. That's a great question. Yeah, 2018 is going to be quite an exciting year. It already has, actually. But uh, only in like two or three weeks' time, I'm going to be traveling again to Forbes, you know, the Forbes event on the 17th of April. And uh, I'm really, really humbled because it's a, what's called a 30 Under 30 program. And I'm actually one of the authorized mentors and investor panelists, as well as um, being recognized by them as well and, and helping uh, other people through the actual advice given. Um, and it's basically 30 companies underneath, under the age of 30, that they bring down and wilt down to maybe four people who are going to be on stage that we're going to be uh, assessing and giving advice to. So, you know, it's, it's a really lovely, lovely program. There's also another property program, which uh, events which is coming up as I speak in the realm in the area of uh, property. I'm really, really humbled at my current life, you know, with, you know, with everything else as well, whether it's the children, family, helping uh, as many people as I possibly can on the planet. Um, so, you know, on the 28th of April, I'm speaking at another event, which is a Friday, which is just about property and wealth and understanding. Wow. Um, and then later in the year, but, you know, later in the year, we've got plenty of events which are all going through, which I'm happy to keep your team up, updated with. But um, is it possible to speak something specific? I've got uh, one of our own programs, which we're putting out into the marketplace to try and create further change for people. Yes, please do. Yeah, that'd be really useful. Okay, so uh, the program itself is actually called the Inspired Business Workshop, and it's a monthly program which we hold every, at the precise minute, current moment, every third Wednesday e evening. So it's after work, you know, the whole thing, or alternatively, you know, if you're self-employed or working for somebody, so it's an evening time. It starts at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the evening, and it finishes around 9 o'clock. And uh, the intention is that we have... Um, I spoke earlier on about the business boardroom, and this is like a a watered down version in terms of the business boardroom matrix. It's a, a tried and tested psychological process, um, which helps people integrate knowledge better and actually use it themselves every single session. But we also on a monthly basis, so there's 12 courses, and it's a, a full curriculum that's actually backed by the British Chamber of Commerce in Europe as well. And it, it's like an acceleration program, but it's a, it's a 12-month program. So you can always dip into new knowledge and take the knowledge away and work on a bit like a curriculum every single month on your business to take it further. Oh. So whether it be uh, marketing, yeah. So whether it be something like marketing, how to sell better, how to uh, attain customers, how to retain your customers. And, and then once you've got some sales in, how to actually maximize your profitability as well. Um, and there's some modules in there which we talk about monthly topics where they actually go into the depth of the inner psychology of knowing self as well, how to lead other people, um, that kind of thing. So it's really, really exciting. It's uh, on a monthly basis. And uh, if anybody wants to know a little bit more about that, can I share a little uh, website? Deeper? Yeah, definitely. So we'll definitely put the details of uh, kind of um, the 
initiative that you're um, running and we'll put that at the bottom of the podcast so anyone who's interested take okay. a look on the website below um, but also any anything else that myself and Suki have discussed we'll, we'll attach that as well at the bottom so just on Forbes 30 and 30 so you did that last year was there anyone um, prolific that sort of you judged and, and you've kind of followed for a year and thought wow they've they've really grown um, or or any companies like that um, yes, actually, there was. Uh, I was so humbled when I was there that there were four finalists that we went through, and one particular gentleman really shouted out to me, uh, shouted out to me. His name was, or should I say, shone out to me. It really, his name was Robert Uren, and he is the founder of GetPal, okay. uh, GetPal.com. And this is basically a social platform, a bit like Meetup, and you know they've got events and stuff every single month around around the European area. But there was something very specific. It was like a very trusted process. The uniqueness of all the other platforms out there, the other, other platforms are, are, it could be anybody's event. I could set up and hold up an event myself and call other people in. But with the GetPal, uh, what we call trust process, is that everybody who's holding an event through the platform, and it's a proper social platform, um, has been vetted and the events have been assessed or attended by one of the ambassadors in the first place. So um, there's a really high level of security and fairness about it. Yeah, I love that one. And uh, I've been working with him for about six years. He's actually became a mentee of mine. Um, oh, great. Outside the outside football and, and he's been growing excessively, yeah. Oh, that's really nice. I, lo- I love that when that comes together. You're you're no longer a kind of judge judging their company. You're actually um, an influencer. So that's that's really nice. So my final question, which I love to ask all my guests because I kind of have that thinking moment from them, um, is do you have any advice for your younger self? Um, what would it be? If you could give your younger wow. self any advice, what would it be, I suppose? You know, I've always been a go-getter. I've always been involved in doing things. And one of the key things that I, I we all have what we call an inner guess on is who we are and how we see the world does that make sense yeah um, what our skills are what our pros are what our cons are and but the thing is usually that's based upon other people's versions of our world does that make sense so like uh, you know you're you're really good at this you're not so good at that you know that kind of thing so a parental parental influence friendship influence uh, peer influence uh, sibling influence that kind of thing yeah so if i was to ever want to change anything or really to to be honest with yourself could could pinpoint success and growth and when it really engaged in me uh, consciously is the awareness of myself so if it was myself if i could give myself a message let's say 27 years ago when i first when i got into this understanding of running business i would say learn yourself better and quicker but don't just learn it like that learn it through science um i i believe psychometrics in specific disc um, so one of our universities, which is one of the companies that we own and run, it has an assessment process on there for 30 minutes. You just spend 30 minutes of your time answering some questions. And it's more like, which is more like me, which is less like me kind of question. Mm-hmm. Really simple, no tests, nothing like that. Um, and it'll give you a 37-page profile, which gives you step-by-step examples of what kind of person you are and your habits and your behavioral traits and, and your interests and your core demotivators as well. And so if I ever had a choice, I would have probably learned myself even earlier. Um, I learned myself around, let's say, I think it was around about 18 years when I first did my very first psychometric assessment uh, at Cranfield University. But 
I didn't really acknowledge it for at least two years. Does that make sense? So yeah. if I did something earlier, I would love to have learned how to use it properly yeah. and to my advantage more earlier. Um, that's what I would and, and the other one, I'm going to tell everybody the same thing. Um, go for it. Be even more courageous. And I, I was a very courageous guy, tell me, trust me. And I'm just be even more courageous. So there are two things I would say to myself as a younger self. What a lovely question. <laughs> Learn yourself better and be more courageous and go for it. Good. I love that. I love that. I love the last point as well. Um, most of our guests do say just go for it. Um, if it goes wrong, that's absolutely fine. But on your first um, uh, kind of if you could give yourself younger advice, there was one guest who was saying, um, which is very similar to what you're saying, that we're the most intelligent robots built. So we should really trust ourselves and the emotions that we carry and the ideas that we have. Um, we don't always have to rely on tons and tons of data to make a decision. Just go for it. Um, so, yeah. I completely echo what you're saying there. Yeah, thank you. That's amazing. So amazing. Suki, thank you so much for being a great guest. Um, and of course, anyone who's listening who wants to uh, reach out to Suki, we can put his details at the bottom of um, anything we've spoken about today. This will be over social media. So please do share with anyone who's listening who has a kind of interest in anything we spoke about and of course if they do have an interest in property, then please do share as well. Um, Suki, thank you again. No, honestly, Polly, it was the blessings mine. I thank you and your whole uh, team and your followers and your tribe. Thank you very much for at least taking the effort to listen. And I hope sincerely that I've given at least one one thing that can change your world and life. Um, no, all useful stuff. There, there's a, there's a lot that an individual can take away here. So thank you, thank you again. Mm-hmm.